Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and this is Stuff You Should Know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Zoological edition. Yeah, I like these. Yeah. We, we try to cover, like, interesting animals. Not that, I mean, all interest, animals are fairly interesting, I think, but we try to, like, hit up things like the octopus and the platypus and other pusses. <laughs> butterflies is what you mean. And we did butterflies once. Yeah. With, with the narwhal. we got to do that at some point, too. Meh. It's, no? like, it's like a dolphin with a tusk. Well, there yeah. you go. Know. It'll just yeah. be a short one. We just did the narwhal. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we're talking today about the platypus. We have not ever done it before. And uh, despite Jerry's protests, to the contrary, we haven't recorded one. If we have, Chuck and I have both gone totally insane and yeah. have no recollection of it. So if we did, let us know. We, well, we covered uh, weird animals in Australia, or deadly animals in Australia, venomous animals in Australia. But we have not covered the platypus specifically. Did we mention the platypus in that? Because I, I don't, I don't, so. I don't recall knowing that the platypus had venom. No, we definitely didn't. Which so. is, that's the big twist of this episode, and I just ruined <laughs> it for everybody. I'm sorry. No. Oh, man, there's so many twists with the platypus. You can't. This is spoiler free. So um, did you know much of this stuff beforehand? No. And in fact, I did not know that they were so small. I didn't either. That took me by surprise. I thought they were maybe the size of like my torso. Yeah, I thought it was like the size of a of a medium-sized dog or something. Exactly. Or a large beaver. And it kind of looks like a beaver that stuck its face in something and got it stuck. Like it looks like a beaver that stuck its face in a fake duck bill right. and can't get it off. It's not a very cute animal. I want it to be very cute and it's just not. I like it, but they are tiny. It's like a, the size of a very small cat even. Yeah, they run to about five pounds. Well, a little more. Is that right? I saw five pounds somewhere. Yeah, they... What's interesting is they, well, they're only found in eastern Australia, up and down the coast, down to the island of Tasmania. Right, and they live in woodlands and, and, and rivers. Yeah, and the, the ones in the south, though, are um, larger. Is that right? Yeah, though they can get up to like six pounds, and the ones in the north, uh, up in like the Queensland coast, they're like, some of those are like two and a half, three pounds. They're just teeny little cute guys. They're like teacup platypus. Yeah, so I'd al- always just seen pictures of them. Without a human around, a human. Did I say human? You did. And um, then when I saw, I watched a bunch of videos today, when I saw the people holding them up, I was like, that's just a little thing. Yeah. So, yeah, my answer, the long-winded way of saying, <laughs> I didn't know much about them. Well, you know, I didn't know much about them either, and it turns out that um, most people don't, because I've seen a lot of different stuff. Like, the just that weight discrepancy is, is just one example. Sure. Like, um, like we said, platypuses, they spend most of their lives along riverbanks. Uh, freshwater riverbanks, we should say. Yeah. Are there saltwater rivers? Surely there well, uh, There's like tidal creeks and stuff like that. These guys are freshwater animals. Yeah. Um, and they hold their breath when they go eat food because they're actually bottom feeders. But um, they, I saw a lot of different variations and estimates of how long they could hold their breath. 30 seconds I saw all over the place. One person said eight minutes. Yeah. I think one source said... Uh, I don't know, five, <laughs> I think is what one source said. So yeah. uh, I've seen all over the place, but the point is there's a lot of random facts floating around about platypuses, and we're going to compile them all together here. <laughs> That's right. Um, I was instantly surprised by the fact that they were just on the east coast of Australia. Didn't know that. Right. I, that, I knew Australia. 
I didn't even know that. Oh, really? No, for some reason. I don't know. I just didn't know that. So apparently, after Pangea split, it evolved on uh, one of the huge chunks of land called Gondwana. Then that split formed Australia and South America and some other places. Uh-huh. And they were in South America and Australia at the time. And then the ones in South America died off. And Aussies were just like, it's ours. Right. What was that? What happened just now? Uh, that was Australian. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my best stab. <laughs> um, and we, the duckbill platypus, as far as it, it's called today, that's a, obviously a European term for it. Sure. And it wasn't until almost the 19th century, 1798, that the platypus, um, was first encountered by Europeans. Before that, Aborigines obviously had run into them before. They had names for them like uh, Malangong, Bundabura, uh, Tambrit. Those all, are all better names. Then duckbilled platypus. Sure. Yeah, great. Um, so the, the Aborigines knew about it, and the first uh, white colonists that showed up in Australia, I guess, heard legends of these things and then started to see them themselves. Yeah. And uh, even though these were Europeans telling other Europeans, hey, there's this really weird animal down here. There's a bunch of weird animals. Like, you're not going to believe the kangaroo, but this thing has got it, like, all of them beat. Yeah. And people in Europe are like, you're full of it. And they even sent them specimens, stuffed specimens. And the the uh, taxidermists and the naturalists and biologists back in Europe said, I still don't believe it. Because at the time, have you ever seen the mermaid mummies? Yeah, the Chinese were... They were into fabricating animals. Yeah, so everybody thought it was just a Chinese fake. Yeah. Until somebody finally got their hands on one uh, and dissected it. Uh, his name was Everard Jones, and he proclaimed them real in 1802. Yeah, but it's funny that for a while they were like, no, no, no. This went through, the, I think they call it the Indian Seas at the time. They are like, eh, it went close to China. Yeah. And you know that they're just nuts over there with this stuff. Yeah, it's rogue taxidermy. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. It's kind of cool that they were doing that, though. I wonder if it was just like... A creative thing, or yeah. what were they doing? They were selling them to sailors. Oh, as like as some sort of scam. As a yeah, as a mermaid. They're like these are real mermaids. Oh, okay. From so, what I understand, like the sea monkeys that you defend, <laughs> <laughs> but even less real. Okay. So um, we finally establish 1802 that platypuses are real, and we start to just really dig in to figure out what is going on with these things. Yeah. And the more we dig in, the stranger things become. So, for example, Chuck, platypus, it's a mammal. And yeah. the reason it's a mammal is because it nurses its young. And it has fur. And it has fur. Yet, it doesn't have nipples. No. It secretes its milk through its abdomen. Like yeah. it's just leaking or something. Yeah, through pores. And the little, they're called puggles, their young are. And the puggles just suckle on the abdomen. And it's a very odd thing in, in nature for that to happen. It is peculiar. Yeah, very peculiar. Yeah. Um, okay, so they're mammals. Yes. But they're not just mammals. They also straddle the line. Like they, Basically, the platypus exists to strain the taxonomic system of classification of yeah. animals, right? Yeah. They have that duck bill, that pesky duck bill. Yeah, and the web feet. So it's like, all right, so they're birds, right? I, I guess, but I thought we just said they were mammals. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> officially, they are mammals. That's right. not going to change. Yeah. Although you never know. But yeah, they do have the, the web feet and the duck bill. And mm-hmm. then they also have um, certain, uh, they have eyes like a reptile. They lay eggs like a reptile. Right. Amphibians. They suckle their young through their abdomens with milk. Yeah. 
but they give birth to eggs. So that's not supposed to happen either. No. The female, they have two ovaries. One of them functions. One of them doesn't. And they lay these, you know, one to three little leathery eggs. They're Mm -hmm. a little more round than the oval bird eggs. Mm -hmm. But they're they're eggs, and they're born with teeth that fall out. Then they have these little horny plates that they mash their food up with. Yeah, they don't have teeth. They're just weird. But they're born with teeth. Right. Which actually, it's funny because um, both creationists and evolutionists hold the platypus up as evidence of their beliefs. (laughs) The creationists are like, if anything, it's reverse evolution. Right. They lose their teeth, right? And like you, this, this thing was obviously assembled, right? Yeah. Like what, what evolves over hundreds of millions of years living by water, but can only hold its breath for 30 seconds, 30 seconds or eight minutes, depending on who you ask. Right. Say the creationists. Evolutionists say, well, no, I mean, like, what, this is probably the earliest example of a mammal to branch off from the mama- the mammalian line. Yeah, I think so it was. So it fills in the gaps between us and our distant, distant ancestry. Yeah. So it's a great example of evolution. The, the fact is, like, we're, we're, we still don't quite know what the deal is with this thing, even after mapping its genome. Yeah, I bet you there's a political, a great political cartoon out there with the, like a, uh, Christian pulling on the duck bill and an evolutionist pulling on the tail and the platypus in the middle like, wow, I just want to live. Right. I I guess I just wrote a political cartoon. Don't don't put your (laughs) hang-ups on me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All we need to do is be able to draw and we'd be set. So the the strange parade of character traits, not character traits, that would be what, like whether it was good to its mother or something? Yeah. Um, Of... um, what is it called? Phenotypes? No, yeah, just biological traits, I guess. Yeah, the that strange parade of those uh, d- has not ended yet. No, no. Platypuses are um, just one of two members of monotremes. Mammalian monotremes. Okay. Because birds are monotremes because they poop and hatch eggs out of the same hole. Yeah, called a cloaca. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I guess as far as like, what you're saying, mammals are concerned. Yeah. There's the spiny anteater and the platypus are the only ones who excrete and shoot eggs out of one hole. Is that the, what the echidna is, that a spiny anteater? Yeah. Okay. It looks like a porcupine with like kind of a, a longer nose. Yeah. 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 So they have one one hole to do their business with and one hole to lay their eggs with. Which is also business. <laughs> I guess you're right. And that is very much uh, bird-like. But like I said, the eye structure is more reptilian. Yeah. So. You said the eggs were leathery. That's pretty reptilian. Yeah. They're just all over the map. Well, it gets even stranger than that, Chuck. Okay. What else we got? Let's let's look a little deeper okay. on that duck bill. Yeah. There's tiny little pores, mm-hmm. right? For a long time, scientists were like, how? We know that these things, when they dive, they're bottom feeders. They feed on shellfish, insects, things that live along the muck of the bottom of the river. Yeah. Um. We know that they close their eyes mm-hmm. and they close their nostrils when they dive. Yeah. So how are they locating food? And they figured out that there's tiny little holes on their duckbill that um, have electroreceptors in them, just like a shark. Yeah. Like, uh, I think we've talked multiple times about the nose of a shark. That's why you punch the shark in the nose. Mm-hmm. And that's how they feed is because that'll disrupt their their brain if you give them a good sock in those electrical receptors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's very similar. This um, they they sense movement through these receptors, and they're blind to everything. And this is how they find the shellfish and all that stuff. Yeah, it, these receptors are so sensitive 
that even just the tiny movement of an insect's leg, crazy, the change in the electrical current in the water that that produces, their electroreceptors pick up. Wow. That's how they go eat. And they get a scoop full of food. Yeah. And they they kind of pocket it in their cheek for a little while uh-huh. until they come back up. And then once they do, they use a bit of the grit on the river bottom to help with their teeth plates or whatever you call oh, them yeah. to, to grind the food down. They call them horny plates. Well, their their horny plates are <laughs> aided with gravel. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then they chew. So, all right, we're starting to get kind of a handle on this thing, right? So right? that's got to be the last weird thing, right? It is not. <laughs> We, we've already mentioned it, but it, they they produce venom. They're one of only three types of mammals that produce venom. So think about this. You've got the uh, uh, echidnas, mm-hmm. the spiny anteater. Yeah. It's the only other monotreme. But it doesn't have a duck bill. It doesn't lay eggs. It doesn't do all this other weird stuff. Yeah. You've got a certain kind of uh, shrew and a, a selenodons, dons. Uh, they, are, they produce venom, right? Okay. But they also don't have duckbills. They also don't have electroreceptors. Duckbill platypuses are the strangest, hands down, animal around. Hodgepodge is the best way to, to describe them. They're a hodgepodge, and they straddle all these different um, different classes. And in the end, I, I saw an interview with one lady who worked on the Genome Project, which we'll get to. Yeah. And she was like, when you're talking genetics like this, she was like, weird is good. She's like, this is awesome for us. Yeah. Because it shows, uh, I think she called it... Um, informative variation and so if you learn about all these weird things that a platypus has in its in its genetic code mm-hmm. it can help fill in because we're mammals too right. some of the stuff that we may not know about and ways that we are different and similar it just helps inform you know everything basically right all there with a little genome of the platypus right and actually not only the differences are good but also any similarities between us and them sure also shows, well, this is a very, very ancient trait since they branched off of mammals 166 million years ago. Right. Like you have a thorny, venomous uh, stabber in your heel, correct? Right. Yeah. Right now? I try not to use it. Right. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's it's easier to just not use than other times. But yes, I do. Well, and they, they, they actually do. They have venom. And I think it's, isn't it just the males have that spur on the hind foot? Yeah, and they mostly produce the venom during spring, which is why they think that it's probably used to fight with other males. They live solitary Yeah, lives. That, that would make sense because the females are born with one and it falls off. Right. So they wouldn't need one for that. Yeah, and then so males will fight with one another for females, mate, and then take off, and then that's that. Like everybody's kind of lives on their own over like a set amount of territory as a platypus, right? Okay. But that... that um, venom doesn't kill other platypuses, but it could kill a dog, and it has before. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't kill another platypus. They may have some resistance to right. it. Right. That's what I think. Yeah, it's got to be, because they're smaller than most dogs. Exactly. Um, it hasn't ever killed a human, but humans have been known to get stung by these things. Yeah. And, brother, does it hurt. And the reason yeah. it hurts is because it is a mammalian venom, and we have no known cure or treatment for the pain caused by that. So if you are stung by one of them, you are totally on your own as far as pain management goes. There's nothing that can be done. You're yeah. just sitting there in agony for like a week or two until it, it works itself out. Yeah, I think it's supposed to suck pretty bad, like yeah. swelling and just lots of pain. Right. And like you said, if there's nothing that can be done, you just writhe around and curse the platypus, I guess. Yeah. And that's why you hold them by the tail, too, by the way. If you ever go to grab a platypus, yeah, grab them by the tail. 
Sure. Because they don't Same mind with it. with uh, possums. Yeah, and they can't. Well, yeah, but a possum doesn't have a spur in the tail. No. But they'll bite you. Oh, man, they will. They're mean. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, actually. But they hiss. Oh, no, they're real mean. Oh, are they? Yeah, they'll try to bite you. They'll try to curl up. If you hold the end of their tail, they'll curl themselves up trying to get to your wrist, which you really can't blame them. They're trying to get you to let them go. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, they'll bite you. They'll they'll kill you and your whole family if you let them. I remember I, I was actually one of my first dates with my high school girlfriend. We uh, Kitchen possums? No, it may have been my first date, actually. I walked her back up to the front porch at the end of the night, and it was that, you know, I mean, it was like something on Norman Rockwell, like, all right, I'm going to get that first kiss. We walked up on the porch, and it was, it was probably like four by four. It was small. And there was a freaking possum up there that got stuck, like, trying to get out and was just, we were sharing this very small space with this possum. Mm-hmm. It was, like, hissing at us and screaming at us. And uh, <laughs> well, it, it made for a very memorable end of the evening. I'm sure. sure. And I don't think I got the kiss on it. No. I thought you were going to say her dad came out to meet you, and he turned out to be a giant opossum. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Um what else? We were talking about the Platypus Genome Project. You sound like you know more about that than me. Well, they did this. A um, hundred scientists got together in 2008 and said, you know what? If we can figure this thing out, maybe we can help inform our own you know, human species. Right. And uh, one thing they did find out is that we have two chromosomes. We have a pair. Mm-hmm. If you're female, you're going to be XX. If you're male, you're going to be XY. Birds have ZW for female and ZZ for male. Platypuses have... Is it platypuses? Yeah. Okay. They have 10 chromosomes, sex chromosomes. Yeah. And they don't know why. It's that complicated. So females have 10 Xs and males have XY, 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 XY. And (laughs) the deal is they're similar to birds in that their X1 chromosome has 11 genes that are found in all mammalian X chromosomes. Mm -hmm. But their X5 gene carries something called DMRT1, and that's found on the Z chromosomes of birds. So they sort of share these sex chromosomes with regular mammals and birds, but they have ten sets of them. I'm not ten sets, five sets. And they're superfluous, like there's no reason for them to have this? They haven't figured it out yet. Huh. And they're still working on that, I guess. But that was definitely like an, an interesting find. And they're they're 80% mammal, or they share 80% of their DNA with mammals, right? Yeah. So that means if they also share some with birds, and they branched off of mammals 166 million years ago and went off on their own. Yeah. Then um, that would mean that we we possibly are descended from birds as well. Yeah, it definitely raised that question. Um, and my other question is this: like the the venom, like it's very similar in composition to reptile venom, even though it's mammalian produced. Right. But they figured out from the Platypus Genome Project that it came up independently. Oh, really? Yeah, they didn't get it from like a, a reptilian ancestor. Wow. So it almost like the platypus is almost like this idea that nature has a finite number of tools in its toolkit yeah. to handle things like reproduction, defense, right. whatever. And the platypus represents like all these things just kind of evolving independently on its own after it branched off 166 million years ago. It's that pretty is, neat. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe the platypus therein lies the key to it all. Who knows? I sincerely hope not. It's a very strange creature. Well, at the very least, it's, it could help us locate uh, and identify new genes and then sequences that could turn those genes on and off in us. And uh, Yeah, supposedly ovarian cancer. Oh, um, uh, really? There's some DNA in uh, ovarian cancer tumors that's found in platypus sex chromosomes. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So who know that that was as far as they got. Yeah. In what I read, they just discovered that, so they didn't know what to do with it yet. 
Yeah, I think this was a great, like, load up on this one, people, for your next cocktail party. Because everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. They got, they're furry and they got a duck bill. But you can hit them with a bunch of more cool stuff. Yeah. Know? Like, oh, yeah? What about the spur in the heel? Yeah. What about these chromosomes? How do you like them apples? How do you like them apples? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's it for platypuses for now, until they find some other weird thing about it, right? Yeah, yeah. You got anything else? No. Um, if you want to learn more about platypuses, just type duckbill into the uh, search bar at howstuffworks.com. It will bring up this amazing article. Um, and actually, no, this article is uh, written by Conger, a HowStuffWorks writer. It's on Animal Planet. Oh, yeah? So check out AnimalPlanet.com and try searching for duckbill platypus. Very cool. Oh, and, and now it's time for listener mail, right? Great. All right, Josh. I'm going to call this from Penelope. Okay. How, how simple is that? Hey, guys. Big fan. I remember uh, when How Gender Reassignment Works came up. I was a little worried because I fall into the gender queer slash transgender spectrum mm-hmm. somewhere. That's all she says. As most people who try to talk about it in a non-offensive way uh, usually fail, y'all did a really good job, and I've had faith ever since then. Nice. But I have one note. In the CPR podcast, you're thinking, how can this relate? Right? I, I know because I've read this email. Okay. So you're not thinking that. <laughs> y'all talked about giving blood and how everyone should give blood. Um, I think in times like these, it's important to keep in mind there's a huge population of people in the world who cannot give blood because of the backwards and outdated thinking of the Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Her words. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about anyone who has had sex with a man who has had sex with a man. MSMs, men who have sex with men, are indefinitely banned from giving blood. Women who have sex with a MSM have a one-year waiting window before they can give. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Uh, this thinking obviously came from the uh, media-created aid scare that we are just now coming out of. However, the Red Cross continues this disc- uh, discriminatory policy even though their uh, testing abilities that we have are incredibly, incredibly accurate. To quickly sum it up, guys, in the future when you talk about getting blood in your general daily life on the podcast, wherever, it's a good idea to say something like, those who are allowed should give blood. Hmm. And so I didn't know this, and it's always great to get this kind of message out. So thank you. That is, uh, she says love, which is very sweet. Penelope Poppers. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Penelope. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. It's extraordinarily important, I would say. Yeah, and, you know, if that's the case, then I say get with it and uh, allow people to give blood if it's safe. You just directed a message to the Red Cross. <laughs> I'm calling them out. Uh, if you want to call somebody out through us, uh, we would like to help us any way possible. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And you can join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 